So we'll go ahead this morning and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Put your bookmark in Philippians chapter 4, or a ribbon, whatever you have. And then turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 47. In Genesis chapter 47, I'm going to read you just a portion of a verse and we'll come back and read some more. But I want to read to you if I can. Genesis chapter 47. And in the 15th verse, listen to what happens. When money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. I want to go back to the very beginning of that verse. When money failed. Our society will tell you that money has a lot to do with many things. But folks, may it be clear this morning that money has absolutely nothing to do with where you're going to spend eternity. Philippians chapter 4. Now let's read if we can. Book of Philippians chapter 4. Skip down to the 19th verse. Now remember when money failed in the land of Egypt. Let's read if we can. Philippians 4 and 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Do you see the contrast this morning? Money failed in Egypt. But Paul said, according to his riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is not talking about the God of Abraham. He's not talking about the, the God of Elijah where God sent the ravens to feed him. He's saying, my God. If God can provide for Abraham, Paul knew that God could provide for him. Paul knew that if God provided for Elijah, that God could also provide for him. Folks, the truth of the matter is, anything and everything in the scripture that God has provided for any individual, God can also provide that for you. For God is no respecter of persons. God is not going to choose and God's not going to, that, to limit. God wants to bless us with the richest of his blessings. So this morning, when money failed, when money failed, we see that, that, that Paul here talks about, he, said, and he says, but my God. When you think about God, who is God to you? Is he a God to someone else or is he a God to you? Listen to what Paul's saying in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. According to his riches in glory. I'm not going to get into the banking system and how the banking system works because that's really irrelevant. But what I want you to know is this. Is that what God wants to give us is not something from a bank or any other institution, folks. This is something that comes from heaven. Do you believe that while we're on this earth that we can receive things from heaven? Absolutely do I believe in that. I'm going to tell you my conviction and belief. We can experience heavenly things while we're here on this earth. Listen to what Paul is saying. According to his riches in glory. Now, 
you can discuss and we can debate the value of a dollar if you want. What makes a dollar rise? What makes a dollar fall? What makes the, the value of a dollar that, that we have in our economy and economies around the world? But I can tell you something about God's riches. They never change. They don't vary. They don't fluctuate. They're not up one day and down one day. The value of what God gives us is far greater than anything that we can have here in this world. We're going to go back in Genesis in just a minute when there was a great famine in the land and then, then all of a sudden they had to give up their, 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 their livestock. They had to give up their money because they were in need of bread. And their money was no good to them. You see today, you and I, it's not that we do not have things. It's just what, how, how important are those things to us and what good are those things to us. Listen to what Paul is saying. He said, according to his riches in glory. I had read this thing several times. I read it this weekend and I read it again this morning, just sitting down and reading for a while. And you know something that really came to me that I never thought about before? Many times we want to view it as... God gives all, us based off what our shortcomings are. In other words, if you've got a bill to pay and you're $10 short, Scott, give me $10. But you see, it's not according to our debt. It's according to His riches. Folks, let me ask you this. How many of you this morning can say, God has given you far more than what you deserve? Because it's not according to our poverty. It's not according to our debt. It's not according to our value or our assets. It is according to His riches and glory. Folks, we could close our Bible and say glory, hallelujah, and walk out of this place and rejoice this morning that God gives us something, not according to our sinfulness and our debt, but according to His riches. Folks, I'll tell you this, we are richer than any billionaire that may roam this earth. Why? Not because of what we've done or what we've accrued or what we have done in our life, but it's because of Him. He said, according to His riches and glory. I'm glad today to know that God gives us what He is able to provide for us like nobody else can. The book of Genesis, I want to turn back there for just a minute if we can. What was happening is there was a time of famine. Read the 13th verse if you've Saved your, your place here in Genesis chapter 47. And there was no bread in the land. For the famine was very sore. You know, people talk about sin and conviction. And, you know, they don't, they don't want to talk about the severity of it. You see, this was not just a, a light famine. This was a serious, deep famine that had happened. Matter of fact, we even have a phrase that sometimes you might have heard before that your money is no good to you now. At what point and what situation in our life is for us, when is money going to fail us? Matter of fact, when can we say that the riches of the world are going to fail us? For there was no bread in the land, and they were ready to die. Folks, let me tell you something I also believe in this morning. We as a human being... We were born into a sinful world and we were all destined and we are bound for death. But here's what I want you to know. God is going to provide for us what we could not provide for ourselves and money is no good. Riches, 
power, fame, fortune, all these things that you might want to list this morning, none of those things are relevant. For there was a famine in the land, uh, no bread in all the land. A famine was very sore. So that the, the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Here we are to a point that the drought had hit. There was not a lot of food and there was not a lot that they could provide for themselves. And they were going through a famine. If I was to tell you that starting today that there was going to be no rain in this area for two or three years, what would you think about the harvest and the crops? You would start to realize is that there's a drought. There's a dryness that's happened. And, and you know what? If you don't have that, then you're going to have a dependency upon somebody else to provide that. Sometimes in the rural area by which you and I live, I've, I've seen the droughts hit and the cattle farmers will no longer be able to supply their own hay so they have to go to other parts. And you know what? They have to depend on somebody else. Folks, let me tell you a little bit about our sinfulness this morning. Our sinfulness has gotten us into a place that we need help and that is what Jesus provides for us. In a sinful state, in a nature that is sinfulness, that we rebel against God, God said, I'm going to provide for you when money fails. Here's the difference. They knew and they had been warned that there was a drought that was coming. But they refused to heed the warning. This morning I believe today that you can... Do one of two things. You can heed the warning or you can ignore the warning. But here's the warning. That if you do not repent, you will perish. That's a warning. That's not a complicated message. That's not anything that we're trying to, uh, to beat around the bush about. We want a world to know this. That if you die lost and in your sin, you will go to hell. And the world needs to hear that and they need to understand that, that no matter how much they accomplish in their jobs, no matter how much money that they accrue, no matter how much fame and fortune that we may get, listen to the 15th verse. And when money failed in the land of Egypt, twice in one verse we are told money failed, money failed. Here we see that, that they would not make provisions for themselves and going and laying something up. But notice what happened in the 14th verse. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they brought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Here's what I noticed that, that was happening. They were parting from all the money that they had. You know what I believe in when a person's going to get saved? You know what I believe? That if you want to enjoy this manna, this heavenly bread that God can give us, do you know what I believe today? That you can enjoy those things at the moment you are willing to surrender everything you have. Are you willing to surrender this morning? Are you willing to give up everything that you may have in your life? Folks, if you want to enjoy the goodness of God, you must be willing to surrender. Listen to what happened in this 15th verse. For all of a sudden they had got everything that they had hoarded up, everything that they needed, and when money failed in the land of Egypt. You know what I think they found out real quick? When the drought came and the famine hit, their money was no use to them. Silver and gold. We may talk about that in just a minute. But how many of you are going to eat your money? 
I know that kind of sounds foolish and crazy, but how many of you can eat your money? You can't. You're not going to eat your money. And a lot, matter of fact, we're, we're even living in a time where money is, is getting less and less of a physical thing. It's more of a, a, a digital transaction. But what I am saying is this, is that you cannot eat or you cannot partake of those things and find nourishment for your body. It is something that must come from the land. Whether it's by the animals or the land that God provides, it is something given by God. And that's what I, I want to understand this morning. And when money had failed... The very beginning of the verse, it says, When money failed in the land of Egypt. I understand that not only was this in Canaan, which yes, it failed in Canaan, but do you realize that Egypt was a place of prosperity? You may think that there are poor people in a poor part of town. Poor people in a poor community, rich people in a rich community, but what he's saying is, in all places, when there was one that you thought was in prosperity, one you thought was in, in poverty, he said, money failed in both areas. Let me tell you something about sin. There are some people that probably live better lives than others. There are some people that probably do more things than others. But the truth of the matter is, we all have a sinfulness about us that we cannot get out of by ourselves. The best and the worst. No matter who we are, no matter what classification we may fall in, the truth is today, from the, from the least under the greatest, we all are in need of a Savior named Jesus Christ. Right. Every one of us, we have that need. Money is going to fail us. Listen to what happened. It says, and when money failed in the land of Egypt. Egypt was a place of durability. It was a place of strength. It was a place that you would have thought never would have faced or have gone through a time where that money would not help them. <clears throat> but here's the truth of the matter. If you're depending on anything besides Jesus Christ, there's coming a time in your life that what you're depending on is going to fail you and the only thing that will sustain you is Jesus. What are we depending on? You may be here this morning. Maybe it's not riches. Maybe it's something else. Your works or your ways or, or things that you might desire to do. But the truth is today, there is nothing today that you need more than Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about this later on because in this verse, it said that they sold or they gave their money because they were in need of bread. They were willing to give up everything that they had when money failed them. For it says, when money failed in the land of Egypt. Could you imagine what it was like for all these people? I call it the, the, the coffee can method. You know what the coffee can method is? It's where you take your cash, you bury it in a coffee can somewhere, and you hide it where nobody can get to it, or you put it in a certain place. You know what they did? They were willing to give up everything that they had kind of stashed back. Why? Because they thought that what they had was going to be good for them. But they got to a point, they were willing to surrender it all. Folks, the greatest place that we can ever get to as a human race is a place that we surrender anything that we accumulate from this world. Let's be honest with ourselves. We want to grab and hold on and keep more and more of this world. Would you agree with that? But you know what God is teaching? He said, you've got to let it go. He said, the things that you are clinging to, the things that you value. Well, we could have a whole other economics lesson in the value. How much is money's worth? Well, it's only, it's only as worth as much as you're able to spend it. But you see today is that if we value the things of the world, if we value all of these things that are around us, but the thing is, is that what happens when they lose their value, then they're good for nothing. 
But I'll tell you this, your salvation is something that will always, remember because it's according to his riches and glory, the salvation that God gives you will never become useless. It'll always be something that can be used. It'll be used when you die. It'll be used in glory because we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Listen to what we're we're reading here. It says, money failed in the land of Egypt. Here it is, a, a people that had buried their coffee cans, as I call it. They had gotten all their money. There come a tough time in their life. And you know what? What they were depending on was no good for them. How many people today are, I'm not asking for confessions, but how many people today are trying to store up and trying to keep everything so if we ever go through a really, really hard time in our life, we've got all the flashlights that that the world's ever produced. We've got all the canned goods. We've got everything we need. But the truth of the matter is, folks, we could face the most extreme circumstances in this life, but the truth of the matter is, even in those extreme circumstances, you still need Jesus. There's not anything you can buy from a store or that you can go out here and accumulate. You need Jesus. When money, we, might, we, we can fill money in with a lot of things. When money, when things, when items, when all of these things failed. For it says money failed in the land of Egypt. You know what I see when I look at this verse? You've got people that focused on money. They were living and they were in, in accordance to money. But all of a sudden, money lost its power. Folks, there's coming a day that everything that the world's clinging to outside of Jesus Christ, it's going to be useless. It's not going to be good enough. It's not going to be strong enough. It's not going to be endurable. But let me tell you this. If you've been saved by the grace of God, your salvation experience and the application of the blood of Jesus Christ can survive even death. But what else can? When money fails, listen to what happened. And it says that all of a sudden, then when money fails. Can I turn back to the book of Ecclesiastes for just a minute? If I can find it in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and I'll read these to you. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10 says this. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. I could probably start reading right there. But let's keep reading. Nor he that loveth abundance and increased. For this too, he said... For this is also vanity. Let's keep reading. When goods increased, they are increased and eat them. In other words, when you've got more food, you've got more friends all of a sudden. In other words, wherever the goods are, hey, all your friends are going to come over. So when the goods increase, they increase that eat them. Anybody else ever experienced that? Throw some good food on the table and invite your friends over. They'll start coming. And what good is there to the owners thereof? Saving and beholding of them with their eyes? Just watching people do these things? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. So in other words, you can have riches, but just because you have riches doesn't mean you're going to sleep good at night. Folks, remember this. When the scriptures talk about resting and, and, and sleeping, and a lot of time is, is that it's talking about peace in your life. Have you ever gone to bed at night and not have peace? 
But you know what he's saying? Just because you have riches doesn't mean you have peace with God and you're going to sleep good. What means that you're going to sleep good at night is when you have peace with God. But let's keep reading. For there is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept from the owners thereof to the hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail. And he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. And he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And he shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. In other words, we were born in this world with nothing. And guess what we're leaving this world with? Nothing. We brought it in. We're taking it out. Let's use the common uh, modern phrase. You don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. We're not taking things with us. But I will tell you this. You will take your salvation experience to the other side of the grave. When you die does not change your relationship with God. Let's keep reading. And this also is a sore evil. That at all points he came so he shall go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness and hath sorrow and hath wrath with his sickness. Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to joy. The good of all of his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him for his portion, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he shall not, for he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. Folks, today, do you believe that our riches do not come in what we have in the world? He said, if you're depending on these riches, he said, it's vanity, it's empty. He said, you were born in this world with nothing, you're leaving with nothing. He said, your riches are what God gives you. And you know what today? God has given us a lot of things. If you had a roof over your head last night, I'm a believer that God gave you that. But also know that when you leave this life, you're leaving behind that roof. The food in your refrigerator right now, God gave you that food. But you know what's going to happen when you leave this life? Uh, you're going to leave that food in the refrigerator. The truth of the matter is, everything that you accumulate in this life is going to get left behind. But your soul goes with you. Your soul is what we're leaving with. Where are you going to spend eternity? God is our refuge. He is a present help in time of trouble. God can give us what happens. But let, let's turn back if we can to Genesis Chapter 45 for a minute, excuse me, 47. Money failed in the land of Egypt. People today put their trust in so many things. But the truth of the matter is this morning, what will we redeemed with? I believe Peter said it in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. In verse 18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. He gives an example of corruptible things as silver and gold. He said, but with the precious, which is the costly blood of Christ. Do you know what it means to be redeemed? It means to be set free. They thought. 
that in Egypt, if they were going to be set free, and a lot of times it's being set free from slavery. It's being set free from the bondage of sin. But here's the thing. God was going to provide that. Let's go back to it. And let's think about Genesis for just a minute. Joseph is the one that they had come to. Remember and go back in the previous account of Joseph. He was the one that his brothers were jealous because God had given him a special power or an ability. When his brothers got jealous, they sold him into slavery. He was one that, that lived in slavery, but there was going to come a time when he continued to, to translate and to interpret what these dreams meant, that there was a time of famine coming, that, he, that, that, that Pharaoh began to give him power. He becomes second in command. And here, Joseph's family that turned him away are the very ones that begin to seek after him, saying, our money is no good to us. We need bread. Today, I want you to know the very Jesus by whom we as human beings have crucified or the very Jesus that we must turn to to provide for us what it is we need. We need Jesus. That's a pretty simple statement. It's a very elementary statement. But the truth is this morning, we need Jesus. And when it got to the place where they realized that money failed them in the land of of Egypt. The book of Psalms teaches us in Psalm 49 and verse 6 says this, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Folks, there is no amount of money that we can provide to set a sinner free. That is the work of God. Remember what we said in the beginning of Philippians? It says that, that, that again, remember the, the very verse that we read to you there. We'll go back and read it one more time. But my God shall supply your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see today, Jesus is the one that paid the price and God is the one that gave that. But listen to what happened. All the Egyptians came to Joseph. Here's something I want you to notice about our reading this morning. They got in trouble. Money failed them. So they turned to Joseph. Joseph, and I will not get into the fullness of it, but Joseph is a shadow of Jesus Christ. When people get in trouble, name me one place that's any better than to turn to Jesus. Folks, there is a very, very simple message that I could tell all of my family, I could tell all of my friends. Money's going to fail you, but Jesus never will. Jesus will never fail you. For it says, and all the Egyptians came unto Joseph. When you're in trouble, where do you turn to? Where do you run to? You run to the Lord. But here's what I like. They came to Joseph. Remember, they're the ones that sold him into slavery. They're the ones that cast him out. They come to Joseph. He could have said, oh no. I'm going to give to you what you gave me. You know what grace is? Grace is it's not that you've earned this or deserve it. But I'm going to give you what you need. 
And that's what God does. He provides for us what it is we need. And we see that, that they got to a place where they, they begin to come and they begin to turn uh, after money and failed them. And they came unto Joseph. The book of First Peter again tells us this. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. What do we do with our problems? First Peter chapter 5. First Peter 5 and verse 7 said, casting. Can I, can I tell you something I found interesting about the word casting? It's only used two times. Here and when Jesus was about to enter Jerusalem, they cast their coats. In other words, they took them. And they put them where Jesus was about to sit. And then the ones that couldn't throw them where Jesus was about to sit, they would throw them at the, at the colt's feet where it's about to enter into Jerusalem. They cast them. Today, what do you have to cast to Jesus? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. When troubles hit, times get tough. What are you going to do? Turn to the book of Leviticus chapter 2 for just a minute. I want to close in this book in just a little while. But as you're turning to the book of Leviticus, I want to read you Genesis 47 and 15 one more time. When money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread. For why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. But listen to what they asked for. Give us bread. You probably already thought about John chapter 6 and verse 35 where Jesus declared, not by somebody else's permissions or authority, he declared himself, I am the bread of life. This morning, if you are in need of bread... They went to Joseph because Joseph could provide for them. He says, your money? Your money's not any good. Matter of fact, you can read that they're cattle. They, they, they surrendered all of these things because they knew Joseph could take care of the cattle. All these things they gave to Joseph, all they needed was bread. Those other things were, were useless. They needed bread or grain is what they needed. But what is this sacrifice? What is this bread offering? Leviticus chapter 2. I want to read you. About an offering, a bread offering, if you will. Remember, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Remember when they came, the Egyptians came to Joseph, they said, Give us bread. That's what they needed. For they said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? Listen to where yeah, Leviticus chapter 2. And when all will offer a meat offering. Now, meat offering is a grain offering, like a meal or flour that we might call it. If you're going to offer a grain offering or a meal offering, he said, it has to be made of fine flour. Now, when I describe to you what this offering had to be for the people, tell me somebody that fits this criteria as a person. Fine means that there's no lumps or clumps or impurities. It's perfect. I am a believer today that Jesus had no faults I believe he was perfect. 
I believe that he is the bread of life that he referred to himself in John chapter 6. He said, but when you make this offering, he said, it could be of fine flour. And he said, and he shall pour oil upon it. Anointed. Folks, today I believe in the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed from on high. In other words, He didn't need anybody else to give Him that authority. His authority came from heaven. The authority of Jesus in the sacrifice that He made for you and for me was not just a request of a man, but sent by God that we might be redeemed. Why? Because money has failed us. Materialistic things, we have fallen short. But he said, there will be all that's going to be upon it. And he said, and put frankincense thereon. Frankincense, you know what the frankincense does, don't you? When you burn the frankincense, which is a judgment, it just makes a, a sweeter aroma. You know what I find interesting? One of the gifts that they brought to Jesus, how long after he was born, was gold. Frankincense and myrrh. Those were not just random gifts that they picked up. They had a purpose. They were coming to show that there was one that was going to go through the ultimate judgment of God but was not going to come out in a sour smell but a sweet smell. Oh, Jesus being crucified for you and for me. How much rejoicing can we do when money has failed us? God provided for us what we needed in His Son Jesus. And He said this offering that's going to be made, He said it's got to be fine flour. He said it's got to have the oil that's upon it. And He said and it must have a frankincense their own. There's no impurities about this. He said it's going to be poured. And listen to what he talked about in this. Uh, let's read the third verse here. Excuse me, the second verse. And it shall bring to Aaron the sons and the priests and shall take there out his handful of the flour of their own and the oil of their own and all the frankincense their own. And the priest shall burn it, the memorial upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. In other words, that there's not only going to be a sacrifice made, but there's something that other people are going to be able to enjoy, folks. I want you to know something about Jesus. He's still available. He's still available for people to enjoy today. When money fails, He's there. He's there for you right now. When everything else has come up short, you've tried and tried, but you come up short. He said, it's there. And it says, And if thou shalt bring an oblation of a meat offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. These people, they begin to bring it unto the Lord. For look what he said in the 8th verse. And thou shalt bring the offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. One of these days, folks, we will stand before the Lord. And when it is presented to the Lord, he shall bring it unto the altar. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a moral thereof, and shall burn it upon the altar as an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Skip down to the 11th verse. Dull meat offering which he shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven. A little leaven can leaven of the whole lump. So in other words, if this offering has the least amount of sin in it, it's not perfect. 
I hope that you will agree with me once again when I say this. Jesus was absolutely perfect with no faults or failures. He fulfilled every letter of the law. Every bit of it. You and I, we can't do one thing. But he fulfilled every bit of that. For Notice what happens in the 12th verse. For as an oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer him the Lord, but ye shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. He's the first fruits. We can read in the book of in the book of First Corinthians that he's the first fruits of them that slept. Philippians chapter four talks about how that God can, desires, and will provide for us. But my God shall supply your need. What are your needs today? According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But yet once again, in the book of Genesis chapter 47 and verse 15, when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, and all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread. Can I tell you something right there before I read the rest of this verse? If you come to Jesus and you beg of bread, he's not going to say, well, let me go check the pantry. Well, sorry, just gave out my last loaf. He has more to give because of John 6, 35, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He don't have to go check out something. He already knows. He can provide what you need if you will come. For why should we die in thy presence? The answer is, you shouldn't have to die. And folks, if you got Jesus, ye shall live eternally in the presence of God. For the last four words I'm closing with. For the money faileth. God bless you this morning. That's the thoughts I had on my heart. Money's going to fail you. That's just a given. Money's going to fail you. But I believe that he can provide heavenly manner for you. This morning, I want us to get a song if we could.